You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to Jesus. What an awesome time of worship. We bless the name of the Lord. We give you praise, O Lord. Continue to worship Him. Not just because there's, there's a song that you worship. You worship because this is what you live for. This is why you were created. Can you lift your voice and begin to say, Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I bless your name. I give you thanks because you are a good God. Thank you for being there. Thank you, Lord God, for being faithful. Thank you for being faithful. You are always good. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Jehovah, Lord, we bless your name. We give you thanks, we give you praise. You are worthy of our praise. Day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, you have been faithful. Your faithfulness is forever. Lord, we worship your name. Be thy exalted in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, we pray that the appreciation we are brought today by reason of our praise, singing, and worship will be acceptable before you in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord God, as your word comes, that you will speak to each one of us. In the name of Jesus, we will hear you, we will regain wisdom by reason of your word in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord God, and our lives will make more meaning. Because we interact with you. Because our fellowship is with the Father. In the name of Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. You're welcome back to New Wine Service. I hope you've been having a great time. What a time of praise and worship. Don't let it just be that it's when we come together like this, virtually or on site, that you worship. Make worship a lifestyle. Make it a part of you. Every day, every week, every time, let there be worship from your heart to the Father. Worship is spiritual. Worship is deep. Worship is personal. Worship is from a place of revelation. Let Christ be your object of worship. I pray that we will grow in grace. As we worship Him more and more, we know Him more and more. The more we know Him, the more we become like Him. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. We continue in our series for the month of March titled understanding the cross understanding the cross we started in the first week with what we called cost accounting where we enumerated the 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 cost that goes with following jesus and try to to put that very clearly to us not to scare us but to prepare us to get us ready for what we have signed up for following jesus is not a single activity you start by one First, denying yourself, carrying your cross, and then following him. is a, is a three-way activity that is continuous in our developmental progress in discipleship. In discipleship. Indeed, this is what God has called us to do. A life of sacrifice in following him, in denying ourselves, and in carrying our cross. But last week, we moved further. We said, but why, why should I be motivated to, to do all these difficult things, to deny myself, to carry a cross and follow him. Why should I do that? We established last week that it is because there is joy ahead. Hallelujah. The one who sets the race before you also sets the joy ahead of you. And we say because of the joy ahead, in himself gave us an example. The Bible says he endured the cross. He despised the shame because of the, cross, uh, of the joy ahead. 
And this is not only applicable for our spiritual journey, it is also applicable in every area of life. There are things we do because of a benefit ahead. As human beings, if you are going to grow and your life will be productive, if all you see are the pains of the moment, you will not invest towards the gain of the future. So we, we said that this is applicable to every area of our lives. And there were a lot of other things that came up from the message. We have the excerpt already. If you are not already following us on Instagram, our handle is at NG at New Wine NG on Instagram. Go there, you will see a lot of excerpts from our previous messages. Follow us, refer your friends. We, we can do this together and, and we know that God is set to do even greater things in our midst today. Today, our topic is something that is, um, I think it's actually more applicable to other areas of our lives, more than the, the faith itself. Hmm? We're going to be using faith examples, but we're going to be drawing real life applications real-life applications of those faith examples. Are, are you with me? The topic today is beware of frenemies. What did I call it? Beware of frenemies. You know, I got curious when I started seeing this word, you know, maybe the last 10 years, this word was becoming popular. In fact, if you look in the dictionary, I'm not even sure you're going to find it yet, but we, we understand what it means. Who is a frenemy? Somebody who is both a friend and an enemy, right? Or a friend that behaves like an enemy, or an enemy that behaves like a friend, whichever we look at it. One thing is common, they are both friends and enemies. And so I, I got curious. What, what is what is all this? What is all this? But the, the, the more you interact with the topic, the more you see the, the depth of the relationship called frenemy. That's when you see the depth of it. So and for Jesus, Jesus had a frenemy. On his way to the cross, a frenemy played a key role. So that's why during this month where we are understanding the cross, we want to zero in on that frenemy called Judas and see what we can learn from his interaction with Jesus on his way to the cross for our present life. For our present life. Why? It is important as Christians that we not only see the power dimension of the life of Jesus, but see the wisdom dimension of the life of Jesus. Do you understand? By his power, the power of his resurrection, we are believers. We, the, the work of faith was done. We have received grace. But wait a minute. There, there was a, a body of wisdom that was at play based on the interaction between the friend of me called Judas and the person called Jesus. So we want to extract that and extract real life applications for our life here and now. Do you understand the basis of this topic? Alright. So, I started looking up um, the meaning of friendship in scriptures. You know, there are two ways to teach. You want to teach and um, teach contemporary and just look at dictionary, look at social media definitions or things that are just commonplace or you want to look at scriptures. So what we try to do is do both. Why? Because we are Christians and we are on earth today. So we must also understand our environment and be able to dominate be able to have dominion. There are things you will never get uh, towards your journey of uh, having dominion if you do not understand certain wisdom. Hmm? So it's very key that we balance all this. So in scriptures, I saw two very important examples of friendship. I don't have enough time to go into it, so I'm just going to reference it. I encourage you, in your spare time, pick up your Bible and study it. You will be amazed at what you will find about friendship. You will be amazed. One friendship that stands out in scriptures is the friendship between Jonathan and David. 
Jonathan and David. You see this around First Samuel. If you start from, if you reach just chapter twenty of the book of First Samuel, you will see the meaning of friendship. The meaning, you know, a dictionary is supposed to tell you meaning. So, so does the Bible. The Bible tells you meaning of things. So when things come up in, in the scriptures, when concepts, when uh, matters come up in scriptures, it's like a dictionary. It's explaining to us the meaning. Especially if you find it in, um, in Genesis, it's, it's telling us how it was meant to be at the beginning. It was meant to be at the beginning. And indeed, the whole of the Old Testament is a shadow of things that happened in the New Testament. And that scripture is a compass for our life here and now. Do you understand? So, one really good example of friendship is Jonathan and David. Read up that story. You will be amazed at what friendship can do. Jonathan was such a friend who was willing to trade his own place for a friend. Jonathan was the son of the first king in Israel. At the time that Israel demanded a king, having kings was becoming common, common in the Middle East. So nations around Israel were already having kings. So the people came to Samuel and said, Samuel, we know you're a good man. You're a fantastic man. In fact, you've been a man of God since you were a boy. You know, you, you grew up into this lineage and you have been doing well. You have led us well as a president and as a priest. But your children are not doing fine. We know you are, you are a pastor, but your children are not doing fine. Does, does, does that ring a bell today? Oh yeah, it rings a bell. So the people came to Samuel and Samuel could not fault it because there's scriptural evidence that his children were like the children of Eli also. They were not doing fine. They could not gain the trust of the people. The people did not have confidence in them that when Samuel died, that his children would be able to lead the nation in integrity. You know, Samuel was a man of integrity. He says, see, gentlemen, if there's anybody have taken your, your ram or your, your sheep, come out and say it boldly when I'm alive. I've not taken undue advantage of anyone. I have not. And they know it. They could not fault it. It was a man who prayed for the nation. It was a man who taught the nation. It was a man who led the nation. So they came to him and said, see, okay, give us a king like the other nations around us. Like the other nations. So the other nations were practicing it and they already understood when the other nations made kings and the king died. It was only natural that the uh, first child or the heir apparent of that king becomes the next king. So they, they were copying and pasting the template from neighboring nations. So when Saul was installed as king and he had a very strong, vibrant, dynamic son in Jonathan. Read about Jonathan. Jonathan was not a weak man. Jonathan was not a sissy. Jonathan was not homosexual as some people have tried to portray Jonathan was a strong man. He was a leader. He was a courageous person. He was one who went along with his armor bearer and went to the garrison of the Philistines and went to confront and defeat them. Jonathan was that bold and courageous. Jonathan was a good man. So he was well poised to become the next king of Israel. But he knew David. And for whatever reason, he believed in David. He trusted David. He had loyalty towards David. He loved David like he loved his own soul. He was willing to step aside so that David would be king better than him. That is treasure. When David was in trouble, when Saul was plotting to kill David, Jonathan was David's ally in ensuring that David escaped. 
They were using codes. They were calling. You know, these days, you know, we have teenagers. When they want to send messages and they don't want their big uncles and daddies to know, they send things in code. You just be seeing um, consonants, consonants everywhere. You don't know what they are talking about. You know, so they were speaking in code. Jo- uh, Jonathan and David, read the whole of that first amendment. They were speaking in code. If I shoot arrow, what does it mean? If it goes this way, what does it mean? You know, they, they were trying to code. So that Saul will not understand. You know, there's a generation gap. <laughs> Oh, that's not my subject. But what I'm saying is that friends were willing to go the extra mile to protect one another. That's the profile of a friend we see in Jonathan and David. But David is a very lucky man, you know. David, later in life, when Jonathan had died and uh, David had become king. You remember how Jonathan died, right? And how Saul died. So later when David had become king and um, his own son, <laughs> Absalom, was trying to take the kingdom from him. His own son plotted a coup against him. His own son had an ally in a strong advisor called Ahitophel. His own son had teamed up with a superman called Ahitophel, whose counsel was as if somebody went to ask from a prophet, what does the Lord say? That's what the scripture says about Ahitophel. He was that good, that smart. But I don't have time for Ahitophel today. It's another subject. So, David... As another friend that God used to rescue him from Absalom and Ahitophel. May God give you good friends. That friend was Ushai. Go and read about it in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 16. Ushai. David's friend. He was willing to take a risk to cross to the enemy's side to get intelligence from the enemy's side so that he can give strategic advice to David. David eventually took that strategic advice, obtained his kingdom back and defeated his enemies. May God give you good friends. May God good, give you good friends. You know, we are social creatures. We, we cannot but have friends. We cannot. But as we have friends, let's just know that we are buying a risk of also having frenemies. That is the challenge with having friends. As you are buying friends, you know you naturally have enemies. But in between friends and enemies, there's a zone called frenemies. How many of you still remember Venn diagram? You know, back then in secondary school, you, you are doing mathematics and you are doing sets. So they say, draw a Venn diagram. Draw one big circle. Draw another big circle. Then there is an intersection between them. Ah. So in one circle, you put friend. In the other circle, you put enemy. That intersection between friend and enemy is called frenemy. There are people whose legs are in uh, the north and the other leg in the south. One leg in friendship with you, one leg in enmity with you. And that's why this topic is very, very important. Very important. Somebody would have thought Mr. Aitofel, the strong advisor and counselor, was David's friend. But the moment he had an opportunity to strike David, he saw an opportunity to bring David down, he quickly aligned with David's enemy, Absalom. There are people who find it easy to switch between friendship and enmity. These are the people we need to be very careful about. Friends are good. And we should nurture friendship. We must nurture friendship because it's advantageous. It is. If you read Proverbs 27 verse 17, it said um, that iron sharpens iron. Hmm? Iron. It does what? It sharpens iron. And uh, a friend improves the countenance of his friend. So, ordinarily, you may be sharp, but if you do not have friends, over time you will become dull. Are you getting me? Iron sharpens iron. Iron does what? Sharpens iron. So you may be sharp today, but if you do not have friends, 
you will become dull tomorrow. Why? Because there are spheres of influence that you have that is different from the spheres of influence that your friends have. So if you do have friends, you can tap from a broader and wider network to improve what you currently have. Do you understand? So if you want mutual improvement, mutual lifting, it's good to have friends because that helps you, right? But that's not all. In fact, the Bible says that um, friends love at all times where brother is born for adversity. Think Proverbs 17, 17. Right? Friends love at all times. So there are times that it's difficult to love. But a friend still loves you at that time. Hmm? A friend still goes all the way. Even when you are, you are no longer popular. Even when you fall out of, uh, out of favor, kind of. You know, when nobody wants to associate with you. A friend is that person that will still come around. Because they love at all times. All times meaning the good times. The bad times. And if you want to understand friendship, look at fans of a particular club that keep losing. Hmm? I didn't mention any club. They are still supporting the club. They win today or they don't win today. They are still supporting the club. There is a kind of connection at all times. Lose, win or draw, they are there for their club. Do you understand? But that is, that is, not, that is not all. We know certainly that as you are having friends, the risk... Of having frenemies increases. It increases. Why? I mentioned earlier that your friends have their own circles. And from that circle, they can benefit your own current level. Do you understand? Meaning that your friends have other friends. And if your friends have other friends, some of their other friends may not be your friend. You see where the problem is coming in now? Some of their other friends may actually be your enemy. So, and in, in friendship, what is so, so, um, what's the word? What's so dangerous about it? What's so dangerous about it is that you cannot be loyal to every friend. You cannot. You have, you have to choose. You cannot be loyal to everybody. So you have four or five friends, right? That's good. In your list of four or five friends there is someone or at least maybe two that you are closer to than the rest if you need to make a difficult decision that is where you know who you are really loyal to do you understand so and it's, it's at that point you make a decision against someone you would have called friend or someone that calls you friend there is an opportunity and you have two people in front of you you can only give to one of them. Both of them are your friends. The person you give at that point in time tells something about the nature of your relationship. If both of them are equally qualified for that opportunity, if the timing is right for both of them, but only one of them can have it, it's at that point you know where your loyalty really lies. Do you understand? So, it's easy to just say, oh, everybody's my friend. I will, I will, I will relate with everybody. When that moment comes, some, I think it's one, one of the current ministers today that said, may your loyalty not be tested. Well, I, I don't agree with that because actually loyalty has to be tested. <laughs> loyalty is not a gift 
for being around someone. You can be around someone, it doesn't mean you are that person's friend or you are loyal to that person. Do you understand? So loyalty has to be tested before it is proven. It has to be tested. Frenemies are like half currents. You know, people around you think you have lights. But you know that you don't have light. Even though you can see the bulb, that your light cannot power anything. But if you mistakenly touch it, it can shock you. Frenemy is the zone between light and darkness. Be careful. Be careful. What are the qualities that you see in a person that makes you know that person is a frenemy? Let's zero in. There are seven of those qualities I found out in scripture. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Psalm. Psalm 55. Psalm 55. This was a prophetic psalm written ahead of the big incident that was going to happen in the life of Jesus. I'm going to read from verse 12. Psalm 55 says, But it is not an enemy who reproached me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. But as for me, I will call upon God. And the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud. And he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even those, even he who abides from of old. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. Verse 20, he has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. Speaking about the frenemy. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. But what was in his heart? His words were softer than oil. Yet, they were drawn swords. They were drawn swords. The first thing you see about frenemies, the first characteristics, is that they pretend to be your companion, but indeed, they are your counterparty. Companion with you. Everywhere you go, they know. Everywhere you go, they go with you. Everything you do, they know. Everything they do, they tell you. So you have this feeling that we are together. We're in the same boat. We're in this together. We are on this journey together. They are your companion. But indeed, they are just following so that they will be close enough to know what is happening. Hello? They are following so that they will be close enough to see what is happening. To see where you are going. And to plan adequately. Indeed, they are not companions. They are counterparties. It's like sitting at a negotiation table and you, you are negotiating with somebody on the other side. They have some information that you have, but they need to use that information to their advantage so that when we settle, there is a gain on their parts. Hopefully, there is a gain on your parts. If you are lucky. So, they come as companions. They get close. They are your friends. 
They ask you things. You ask them things. They share things with you. You, you want to go to a party. You wear the same kind of clothes. You want to do an activity. You, you time it together. You do it together. They are not doing it for your good. They are doing it for their own good. They are doing it to seek advantage. They are doing it to get an advantage. Some of them that are malicious are doing it to pull you down. To pull you down. Beware of friend enemies. Not everybody who is in your team is your friend. Not everyone who smiles at you is your friend. Companion, but no, they are counterparties. The second quality of frenemies, how to identify them. They are your acquaintances, but at the same time, they are your adversaries. And this is very deep. You know, this is very applicable to our definition of friends on social media. Many of the people we call friends on social media, to be honest, you don't know many of them. Maybe you used to know many of them. Oh, 20 years ago, you were in secondary school with many of them. And uh, you saw a friend request, you accepted. You don't know them. <laughs> You've not been their friends in the last 20 years. You don't know them. At best, you are acquaintances. You have met them before. You know what their face looks like. You know what their voice sounds like. They are not your friends. So what social media defines as friends are really acquaintances. People you may have known or you may have heard about. We don't know where they live. We don't know what they do. We don't know their hobbies. You know next to nothing about them. In fact, the only thing you know about them is what they put on social media. And it's the other way around too. So many of them are just following you for the sake of knowing what is happening. Acquaintance. That's all. Just to be, to be able to say, I know this person. I know this person's face. I know when they change their haircut. I know when they change their wig. I know when they change offices. On LinkedIn, I know when they move jobs. I know when they change role. Many are just snooping around your profiles, not because they care about you. They just want to know if you are making more progress than they are making. They want to know if there are opportunities you have that they don't have. Beware of frenemies. Beware of frenemies. That somebody sends you a friend request doesn't mean they want to be your friend. They just want to be in the circle of those who think they have acquaintanceship with you. People who can know when you sneeze. People who can know when your relationship is broken. People who can know when you are broke. You know, on status, some of us, and I, I, I really detest this, some people on status, they'll be doing, you know, maybe begging, low-key begging. So who will solve for me now? Excuse me, why are you begging? Why are you disgracing yourself? Somebody is going to see it. They are not going to solve for you, but in their mind they know, ah, our friend is broke. <laughs> she don't cry. They see you carrying one bag on your social media status today. And the following day, they see that you are not carrying that bag. They say, ah, okay, have you returned the bag to the owner? They are watching your steps. They are watching your moves. They know you couldn't have afforded to buy that bag. Acquaintance, but adversary. Acquaintance, but adversary. They are not your friends. They are not. Number three, they plan with you. But their secret plans is against you. They are planning with you, but they are secretly planning against you. The Bible says here, in this book that we read, Psalm, 
He said, we took sweet counsel together. We took sweet counsel together. Counsel is advice. Like planning. We're strategizing together. Or say, oh, are you pursuing social so, so opportunity? Yes, I'm also pursuing it. Okay, let's plan it. We will do it like this. We will do it like that. We will do it like this. We will do it like that. In their mind, they have their own plan against you. We say, okay, since we have agreed that we will time it like this, I will go behind and fast track my own. So that if there is only one person they want to pick, it will be me they will pick. By the time it gets there, they say, sorry, ah, there was only one slot. It's been taken. So they are planning with you just so they will know your plan. But they have their own plans which are against you. Frenemies are those people that you exchange ideas with. They seem to be giving ideas. But the ideas they are giving is to bring you down. Is to bring you down. Oh, Absalom must have fell, <laughs> fallen for Ahitophel's counsel, thinking Ahitophel was advising him so that he would be king. No! Ahitophel was trying to bring Absalom down too. He knows that because Absalom had kicked against David his father, he was already down. So it's like, David is down, let me bring Absalom down. Because he knows that Absalom is a foolish boy. Who will advise you? Uh, so, because your, your father... Is, a, is getting old now. He can no longer fight. Yeah, And you have taken the kingdom by force. And he has fled because he knows that you are a strong man. And you have influence in the nation. You have stolen the hearts of the people. And he has run away. Okay, let's make your kingdom established. Go and bring out your father's wife and sleep with them in the open. Excuse me. Does that sound like a good advice? And the foolish boy took that advice too and did it. He has discredited himself for that throne. By doing that to David, he has discredited himself. David could not touch Saul, even when Saul was wrong. David understood what it means to aspire to that kind of throne. You dare not insult, assault, or bring down the person on that throne for whatever reason, even when they are wrong. Even when they are wrong. David knew that. That was why God promoted him to that throne. Saul did everything humanly possible against David. David had a right. In fact, he didn't only have a right. He had an opportunity to nail Saul. He didn't do it. So when Absalom thought he had an opportunity to nail David, he grabbed it and he was fueled by the evil advice from somebody he thought was in his camp, Mr. Aitofel, the wise advisor. The advice was to kill Absalom. Be careful when they are planning with you. They may be planning against you. Of course, uh, Aitofel had motives. Aitofel was already hurt because of what had transpired between David and um, Uriah. Aitofel was already hurt. Uriah is a family member, a senior family member of Mr. Aitofel. So Aitofel had every motive to bring David down, but he couldn't do it. So when so, uh, David's son, Absalom, took the initiative to bring his father down, he jumped on Absalom's side. Absalom foolishly thinking, oh, I got a big asset. No, you got a big liability. This man not only hates your father, he hates your lineage. I, uh, Uriah was killed because of David. If possible, he will get you, Absalom, killed to set his cause. Be careful when they are planning with you. They may also be planning against you. And that's what frenemies do. Number four. Frenemies are happy to follow you anywhere. But they are unhappy when you are happy. Did you hear me? Frenemies, they are happy to follow you anywhere. 
But they are unhappy when you are happy. See what the Bible says in this Psalm 55 that we read. Verse 14. It says, And walked to the house of God in the throng. We took counsel together and walked to the house of God in the trunk. They even followed David to church. They followed David to the temple. But as they were following him in their minds, why is this man happy? How come this man is called a man after God's heart? Knowing all that we know that he did. You know, if you read verse, uh, I mean, this, the same Psalm, if you read Psalm 51, you see how David was lamenting and complaining and begging God for mercy for the evil things he did with Uriah, murdering Uriah and sleeping with his wife. You understand? So, these friends, they knew David is not a perfect man. David is not a, he's not a perfect man. He said, he they do. He they do. He, he overdo. So let's bring him down. The Bible said they even followed him. He said, let's go to church. But you, your happiness will not last. Mm-mm. So frenemies, we go with you anywhere. If you say, oh, I'm doing my traditional wedding in uh, my village. Your, your frenemy can follow you. Not because they love you. No. Don't get it twisted. It's not because they love you. There is a motive. There is a motive. They want to know your weak points. So the day you come out and they will not bring up picture. Uh-uh. He said, uh, what God cannot do does not exist. When they have seen you in your village, they say, ah, so this is where you actually come from. See the mud house that you people came from. Next thing on status, what God cannot do does not exist. <laughs> frenemies, beware. Beware of frenemies. Number five, frenemies are able to attack those that are at peace with them. Attack those who are at peace with them. You didn't do anything. Read um, the same book, Psalm 55. The Bible in verse 20 says, He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. You don't need to do anything to your frenemy to trigger their action. You don't. The Bible says, those who were even at peace with them, they were willing and able to attack. May God deliver us from frenemies. Those who are around us for what they can gain. For the advantage they can take. May God deliver us from them. Number six. The Bible says they are smooth talkers. <laughs> I love the way the Bible puts it. There. It said, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter. His words were softer than oil. Smooth talkers. When you are with them, you think you are on top of the world. They make you feel comfortable. They say all the right things. They look very good around you. Bible says, but in their heart, there is evil. And their words are like drawn swords, like sword. But their words are sweet, smooth like butter, smooth like oil. When they are talking with you, you are feeling good. You are feeling on top of the world. Wow, I feel great. I feel good. Thank God for this friend of mine. Be careful. Not everyone who is talking smoothly has a good heart towards you. Not every word that is sounding like a compliment it's really a compliment to you. Be careful. Don't bite that bit. Don't bite it. Don't bite it. Last quality of frenemies from this scripture. The Bible says, in verse 20, he has broken his covenants. Broken 
is covenant. So frenemies are people who ordinarily had a covenant friendship with you. But they are the ones who are capable of breaking that covenant friendship, um, that covenant of loyalty in friendship. They are the ones who are able to break it. You know, friendship is like a social contract of some sort. It's like, I, I, I've got your back, you've got mine, right? That's, that's what friendship is all about. That a friend loves at all times. I'm there for you in the good times and bad times. That's loyalty. It's a kind of contract. The kind of social contract. So, frenemies are those kind of people who can break that covenant for their own advantage. These are seven qualities in scriptures on how to identify a, a, a fake friend called frenemy. You know, we, we say good friend, bad friend. There should not be anything called bad friend. Is it that you are a friend or you are not a friend? But some people have managed to position in between friendship and enmity with you. You have to discern them. Separate the circles in your, in your Venn diagram. Separate them. Don't keep anyone in that intersection. If you do it, you are opening a channel towards the enemy. And the enemy is gaining access towards your, your circle. Be very careful. So we've mentioned seven qualities. Number one, they are companions but counterparties. Number two, they are acquaintances but adversaries. Number three, they plan with you but secretly plan against you. Number four, they are happy to follow you anywhere but they are unhappy when you are, you are happy. Number five, they are able to attack those who are at peace with them. You don't need to do anything wrong to them before they attack you. You don't need it. Number six, they are smooth talkers but friend slayers. Smooth talkers but friend slayers. Number seven, they are betrayers of trust. Betrayers of trust. And this, for me, is, is something that is very deep. You know, many of us don't even understand the difference between betrayer and, you know, what, what Peter did. You know, we, we tend to put Peter and, and uh, Judas in the same basket. No, they are not in the same basket. Betrayer is deeper than that. You can only get betrayed by somebody you trust. Do you understand? And in, in friendship... We tend to trust people. So it's only those who are friends that can be betrayed. You can't say, oh, an enemy betrayed me. What's the job of enemy? The job of the enemy is to do evil to you. But the job of a friend is to have your back. So when that person turns back and does what an enemy should do, we call it betrayal. That's what Judas did. That's not what Peter did. No. We need to understand the difference. What Peter did was just normal. He was afraid. Hello? Peter was only afraid. Everybody can be afraid. He said, okay, they have come to arrest Jesus. Peter was there. In fact, Peter did something. Peter did something about the arrest. Peter, in, if you read John chapter 18, John chapter 18, if you read verse 10 and 11, as they were arresting Jesus, Peter drew his sword and cut somebody's ear. Bam! Peter was willing to fight for Jesus to prevent the arrest. What did Mr. Judas do? In fact, Judas was the one who brought the people. He brought the people there. He had information. Hey, Lord Jesus. He had information that Jesus would be in that place at that point in time. He was sure. He was very sure Jesus was going to be there. Okay, don't let me talk too much. Now, let's go to the Bible. John chapter 18. John 18. I'm going to read verse um, 2 and 3. 
See what Mr. Mr. Uh, Judas did. The Bible says, And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Peter and, uh, and other disciples, they knew the routine of Jesus because they were his friends, right? Including Judas. So, Judas knew if you don't find him in spot A, the next place you will find him is spot B. Spot B in this instance, you know, some hours before, they had Holy Communion together. They had Communion. Jesus washed the feet of the enemy. He washed the feet of all his friends, including the frenemy, together. So he knew their moves. He knew their itinerary. So after this, they will go to this other place. And then they will now land in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had information he was going to use against him. He didn't only have information. He had connection. He had connection to use against him. If you read um, the, the same, the same uh, book, John chapter 18. Judas was the one who brought the people. He brought the people to where Jesus was. The Bible says in verse 3, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Weapons. With soldiers. It's not everybody that can, that can mobilize soldiers. Hello? So, Judas was a connected frenemy. He knew the Pharisees, he knew the chief priests, he knew the people that mattered in town, the authorities. They gave him a troop of Godogodo soldiers. They gave him, he said, go and arrest your friend. Go and arrest your friend for us. So, don't, don't confuse what Peter did with what Judas did. Peter was only afraid. So, when he betrayed Jesus, I mean, when he denied Jesus, when Peter denied Jesus, it was just a human reaction. He was afraid. Oh, a little girl was asking him, are you also part of his disciples? So he denied. And when he saw that some, some gentlemen were now entering the argument, and they started asking him seriously, and then he started cursing, I, I never knew you. No, I have never seen him in my life. And all that. He was only afraid. Judas was not afraid. Judas was a mastermind. In fact, Judas had motive. Judas had intention. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Judas did, he did not do this thing by mistake. No, it was calculated. Calculated. Matthew chapter 26. If you read from verse 14, this is what the Bible says. Though. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Listen to what the word of God says. This is not a mistake. This is not a, I'm afraid. No, he initiated it. He initiated it. He was seeing this as an opportunity to make money. This was fueled by greed. Fueled by greed. He went to them. They didn't come to him. Ah, Lord Jesus, help us. Help us against friends who go out of their way to bring others down. Help us. The Bible says, he went to them. He went to them. You don't just go to them if you don't have something to offer. 
he has something to offer. He said, I know him well. I know the kind of cloth he wears. I know his itinerary. I know the kind of food he likes. I know the kind of place he likes to go. I know the way he thinks. I know the way he talks. If something happens like this, I know his reaction. So he went to them with that assets. I have information about him. What will you give me in exchange for what I have? What will you give me in exchange for information? I said, well, the value of your information is 30 pieces of silver. They were speaking prophetically. 30 pieces of silver. This was prophesied by Zechariah. 30 pieces of silver, the, the price of a slave. said, I'm willing to sell my friend to you. But you've got to give me something. So betrayer is deeper than denial. Denial is like, sorry, I cannot come and die. And that's why as disciples, Jesus told us that if you need to deny anything, deny yourself. Don't deny him. Say, deny yourself. Deny yourself. That is, put yourself at risk. Don't deny him just so that you can save yourself from risk. Why? He said, anybody who dies because of me, he will save his life. Anyone who tries to keep his life, he will lose it. Do you understand? So, he said, deny yourself. But, you know, Peter was growing up. He had not reached the level where he would deny himself. Of course, he eventually got there. Because Peter was eventually retired. Proving that he grew into denying himself. But Mr. Judah's case was different. He was a frenemy. Friend, friend, frenemy. He went out of his way to say, Guys, I have what you are looking for. I thought you people have been trying to arrest this, this man. This is my friend. I can get him for you. But you need to pay me something. What's a greedy man? Greedy man. That same uh, Matthew chapter 26. Let's go further now. And see what this man did. This frenemy. This perfect picture of a frenemy. Let's see what he did for, to his friend. Verse, um, I'll start from verse 45. There's a point I want to bring out from here. The Bible says, and this was set in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus went to pray, and he took the inner caucus members, Peter, James, and John, and um, so that they would pray for themselves. And they were not praying, they were sleeping. So, game was already over at this time. In verse 45, Matthew chapter 26, the Bible says, Then he came to his disciples, meaning the disciples who went with him, and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Now rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus was able to discern is betrayer. I pray for you today. Listen to me. May God give you discernment that you will be able to tell not only who your betrayer is, but to be able to read their moves. Jesus said, See, behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed. He could read the steps. He said, Rise, let's be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. My betrayer is at hand. For as many of you who are friends, who are frenemies, I pray that the Lord will open your eyes. That the Lord will speak to you. You will discern them. You will discern them and do the needful. In the name of Jesus. Do you know how many people have been brought down by people they call friends? How many? Verse 47. The Bible says, And while he was still speaking, 
Behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Hmm. Verse 48. Now, his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, whoever I kiss is the one. Seize him. Lord Jesus. They've given the opponent a sign. Frenemy. Beware of frenemy. You say, mm, anytime you, you, you see him wearing his glasses, that's the time to strike him. Because at that point, that's when he's vulnerable. Anytime you see him sitting down alone, that's the best time to catch him. Is at that time, he's vulnerable. Anytime you see that she's no longer on social media, that's the time to catch her. That's the time she's depressed. Is the time to catch her and get her to do something that will be injurious to her destiny. That's the moment. They knew all the signs. Say, anyone I kiss, this is a sign. You know, it was very difficult to tell who Jesus was among his disciples. Jesus knew how to blend with the culture. He knew how to keep low profile. Not like us today. When you, you, you meet people, it's easy to tell who the pastor is when you just meet uh, brethren now. Very easy to tell. That, uh, with Jesus, it was not very easy. You needed an insider to give you a sign to know that it is him. They could have mistakenly arrested Peter. <laughs> I trust Peter anyway. He would have slashed somebody's throat <laughs> before they know it's not him. So he said, see, it's not easy to tell who Jesus is. Oh. But we, the inner carcass members, we are his party. We know the sign that will, that will give you and you will know that this is him. So he said, anyone I kiss, that's the man. Ah, The Lord help us. Oh. So not everybody that is hugging you and kissing you is actually your friend. Hello? Eh, you heard me, yes. Not everybody who is locking hands with you is your friend. Not everyone who is doing bear hug with you is your friend. And I know, I, I see a lot of us, we like this bear hug. Hmm? We like it all hold tight, five seconds, ten seconds. I don't know what you are transferring, you know. Be careful. Not everyone you are hugging is your friend. Not everyone you are pecking is your friend. You know, some of these things that we have, we have tried to bring them and blend it and say, well, well, God is not really frowning against all these things. Maybe you are the one looking at God smiley. You see if it's a frown or it's a smile. What God frowns at, he frowns at. Don't let me digress too much. But it's not everybody you are hugging, that you are kissing, that you are holding hands with, that's your friend. This is a very good example. Anyone I kiss, I greet. You know, kissing then, like uh, the French people in the French culture, they call it bisou. So kissing by the cheek is not a romantic kiss. It's a sign of greeting. It's a sign that we we are close. You right? We are friends. We are acquaintances. We know each other well. You understand? So it's anyone I go and hug and kiss. That's the person. Arrest him. Arrest him. So shine your eyes. Shine your eyes. So he said that, he said, once I do that, seize him. Verse 49. The Bible says, immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And kissed him. It's not everybody that say, my guy. You know, that's, that's the greeting of that day. My guy, how far now? It's not everybody that is telling you, my guy, how far now is your friend. Mm-mm. Be careful. He went to greet Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Hey, Rabbi. The Rabbi of the people. The man of the people. The people love you. It's a lie, yo. They are saying that to trap you. 
They are saying that to isolate you. They are saying that to get you arrested. So Jesus knew. I love the response of Jesus. Verse 50. Bible says, but Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Friend, why have you come? Jesus knew what he was doing all along. Oh, you think Jesus didn't know? Jesus knew. Jesus knew who was going to betray him. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. In fact, at the time that he was slowing, that Jesus said, hey, that's what you are doing. Hurry up and finish it. Close the deal. Hurry up and finish it. Jesus had moved on. Jesus could not be deterred by the silly, petty betrayal of Judas. Jesus was focused on the cross. He said, well, your betrayer will be part of the things that will help me go to my cross because I see the joy ahead. I don't see this betrayal. Many of you today too, maybe you have been betrayed before. Maybe you are actually in the midst of it. Somebody you trusted stabbed you at the back. You thought it was a handshake, but it was a pistol they were pointing at you. May the Lord help you to heal. At that point, Jesus had already healed. Jesus knew. He had prayed. That's why he spent time praying about. Lord, don't let me go through this, but if it is your will, let me. Let me find grace to do it. Let your will be done. So he had already forgiven Judas before that moment. He still called him friend. (laughs) He didn't call him by his real name. Enemy, betrayer. He said friend. He knew he was his betrayer. Read verse verse 45 that we read earlier. Verse 45 and 46. He called him his real name. Betrayer. He said the betrayer is at hand. But when he saw him face to face. He said I've forgiven you. Friend. Where have you come? Where have you come? May the Lord heal as many people who have been betrayed or who have been betrayed or who shall be betrayed. Because as long as you have friends, you stand a risk of being betrayed. May the Lord help us to be discerning, to be prayerful. You know, in that Psalm 55, when the psalmist was prophesying, he said, I know that you are my friend and you have done all this. He said, but as for me, my prayer will be to God. Morning, noon and night, I will cry out to God and he will save me. May the Lord save you from your enemies. May he deliver you from those who are close to you but plotting your downfall in the name of Jesus Christ. May he keep you. May he make you wise. May he give you discernment in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you real good. Join us same time next week as we bring this series to a close. We'll be dealing with something deep and it is called, It is Finished. Join us next week. Listen to the following announcement. God bless you. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. To get copies of our messages, kindly visit our ministry material store and also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dowder Street off Eric Mosso Lagos. God bless you.